pandemic got us into a reflective space and made us look inward to see what we can do for the world at large. As a self-expression coach, I became a catalyst for women and started Vani, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program for women on finding their voice, to speak up, to be visible. As a storyteller, I spotted there were many ordinary people amongst us leading extraordinary lives, making a difference to the world, and they needed to be heard. Thus was born You and I with Rashmi Shetty, where amazing personal journeys with their uniqueness and individuality are showcased. A reaffirmation of the fact, open your eyes wider, the world is far more beautiful when we acknowledge the presence of both you and I. today is Dr. Neeraja Raghavan, the founder-director of Thinking Teacher that is currently engaged with teachers from schools across India, empowering them to take charge of their own growth through action research. She has a doctorate degree in chemistry from Princeton University, USA, and her last position was professor at Azim Premji University. She worked with the Azim Premji Foundation for almost eight years mainly in the field of science, teacher education, pedagogy, and curriculum development. She has taught in several mainstream as well as alternative schools in India and has been the principal of a couple of schools. She developed an alternative middle school curriculum in science for Shiksha Mitra, Kolkata, a school for slum children in 2007. She has also developed the Middle School Science Curriculum for the School Krishnamurti Foundation India Chennai in March to May 2006, so as to suit their unique needs and ethos. Her research interests currently focus on teacher development through reflective practices. She has many books to her credit, and her publications include The Reflective Learner, Seeing Missed Takes in Mistakes, released in 2019, and The Reflective Teacher, along with the contributing editor, Vinita Sooth. The Reflective Teacher is an attempt to capture a process of drawing out the reflective practitioner from within the in-service teacher through action research conducted by the teacher. Spread over a period of about five months, between August and December 2013, this work is testimony to the power of action research in drawing out the reflective practitioner from the in-service teacher, regardless of the length of experience of the teacher. Listen in as Dr. Neera Charagavan takes us through her journey on how her chemistry teacher not only made her love the subject, but designed the course of her life as well. Her journey from teacher to principal to teacher educator is an interesting one. The stories that continue to inspire Neeraja on the impact of action research and how the teachers who can be magical is all that she shares in this interesting conversation. Hi Neerja, such a pleasure having you finally on You and I with Rashmi Shetty. Such a long time since I've met you. 
and there are very few people who are magical like you are. I would love to know what little Neerja was like before I get to the Dr. Neerja Raghavan that the world knows you today as. Welcome to you and I with Rashmi Shah. Thank you for having me, Rashmi. So there's only a small part of the world that knows Dr. Neerja Raghavan today. Uh, little Neerja was a very, very timid, scared girl who found school to be very intimidating but the most overwhelming experience of her childhood. And uh, I still remember, you know, how I, I regarded the teacher as God, like, even more than parents. The teacher was for me the authority to be fully trusted in. For instance, uh, an example I'll give you when um, I must have been in grade one and they gave us homework like they do, take home. And I took the homework home and then we are, we are four sisters. We came home from school. My younger sister had not yet joined school then. So three of us, we came home from school and my elder sisters went to change and eat. I just went, sat down, pulled out my box, took out the book and I was going to start doing my homework. And we were a joint family and I remember my aunt said, but why are you doing this? I said, the teacher said I should do my homework. She said, you can do your homework, but you should first eat. So that possibility never struck me that I could do something which wasn't exactly what the teacher said. And another instance was when I was in grade two, I, that was 1965, and that was the Indo-Pak war. And the Indo-Pak war, we had a drill, we were taught in school that every day with your books that you pack into your bag, you must bring one napkin and two pieces of cotton wool. And that was because there would be a siren drill. When the siren blew, you had to put the cotton into your ears and the napkin in between your lips, grip your mouth like that and hide under the wooden desks. This was for in case there was a bomb. So we had this drill and we had to remember to bring that napkin and the cotton every day. Little Neeraja was very particular that teacher said, I must bring this, I must bring it. I remember that there was a big headline in the paper one day which said, war is over. And that morning also I took the napkin from my mother and the cotton wool and she said, there's no need, this war is over. I said, no, until my teacher tells me, I will take it. So when I went, took it to school, my teacher said, you don't have to bring it anymore, war is over. For me, war was over only then, the teacher told me. So that was little Neeraja. Wow. That means where you were brilliant student to topper in school through and through because teachers said studies are important as well. I wasn't a topper all through, but yes, I was pretty good. I was in the top 10%. And uh, I was, yeah, I was one of those disgustingly good students who did what the teacher <laughs> Teacher's pet hated by the rest of the class? Teacher's I was pet? hated, yeah. I was like anyone else. Some people liked me, some people didn't like me. So I was not very sociable. I was quite quiet. But I was what in today's language is known as a nerd, you know. It was books and studies which interested me a lot. I didn't do much else. Okay. Okay, so this journey from being a teacher's pet, liked by some, disliked by others, Nirja progressed in class, in school. And what was your favorite subject? That's the whole story of my life. <laughs> I didn't have one favorite subject until grade nine. When um, in my days, we started chemistry only in grade eight. And I don't have any recollection of how I was taught chemistry in grade eight. But in grade nine, a teacher, she walked in to teach us chemistry. And when she left after her first class, I turned to my neighbor and said, you know what I want to do in college? I want to do chemistry. That was the impact she had on me right from the word go. And she was so riveting that 
I waited for chemistry classes and if there was a double period of chemistry and I was packing my bag according to the next day's timetable, I would dance my way to school the next day and wish I had all eight periods chemistry. Why did we have to do any other subject? Chemistry was so lovely. So I wanted to drink, breathe and eat chemistry and I wanted to be a famous chemist and I told my friends I'm going to be a famous chemist, I'm going to discover a new element, it's going to be called neurogenium. I had my future all set. And then they came grade 11, we didn't have grade 12, my year, grade 11 when in my days we had only Doordarshan on TV, we had no other channels. There was an interview with the PhD scholars of chemistry of Delhi University and I was watching that and they were, they were the picture of negative energy. They were wilting, their body energy was just, they were almost drooping down into their graves and they were saying, Hamko koi nokri nahi milne wali hai. Pata nahi kyun chemistry kar rahe. They were like, this is the end of the world, I don't know why we took up this subject. So I watched that interview and the next day when I went to school, my friends had watched it too. And they surrounded me and they said, okay, did you watch the program yesterday? I said, yeah, I did. They said, so now what are you going to do? What are you going to do in college? I said, chemistry. They said, are you mad? Do you know, do you know that you won't get a job if you do chemistry? And I'll never forget my answer. I said, but you don't understand. I'm not doing chemistry in order to get a job. I'm doing chemistry because I love chemistry. That was the impact my teacher had on me. Okay. Now I want you to take two steps back and go to that first day. Yeah. And try and recall, what did your teacher do different compared to yeah. other teachers in other subjects that yeah. you fell in love instantly with the subject or the teacher? She made it very easy. She made it very clear. Without being immodest, I can tell you that I do many more things which are innovative as a teacher than she did. But in that ambience, the teachers that we had at that time, there was a tendency to make things complicated. And you had to, oh, you had to really struggle to get to the heart of what they were trying to say. We had physics teachers who would walk in with a sheaf of notes and dictate. In physics, to dictate notes, I think is blasphemy. They would dictate notes which said, consider a candle. And I would feel like saying, I don't want to consider a candle. Why should I consider a candle? But when my chemistry teacher spoke, she, she had some eccentricities. She would look at the ceiling. She wouldn't look at us. She would look up at the ceiling. She never looked at the book. But she taught us what was in the book so clearly that when I came home, I didn't have to read the book again. I knew what she had taught us. It was so clear. Because it was so clear, I wanted more of it. I became more and more interested in it. Okay, so where did you study, Virja? I studied in a convent school in Delhi. Yeah. Okay. So your entire childhood was Delhi. Born and, and brought up in Delhi, yeah. Okay. So which means graduation was chemistry in Delhi again and you continued with post-graduation there as well? Post-graduation was not in Delhi. I went to IIT Kanpur for my post-graduation. Okay, chemistry, chemistry, chemistry and no iota of regret at all. None at all, none at all. In IIT Kanpur, I noticed that the culture was such that everybody wanted to go to America for a PhD right after MSc. And I had the, you know, a belief at that time that why do a PhD if you're not going to get into research full-time? I said, I certainly don't want to get into research full-time. So I said, what do I want to do with my life? And then I thought, I said, it's five years since Ms. Gomes taught me chemistry. I haven't met her in five years, but I don't have to meet her. She's in every cell of my body. What an impact she's had on me. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I can have such an impact on somebody, even one person? So let me be a teacher. And that's why I became a teacher. When I started teaching, 
I became so interested that two years later, I went to do a PhD. Was this because you were not as good a teacher as Ms. Gomes or the students were not as interested as Neeraja? No, no, no. They, I was, I don't know how good I was compared to Ms. Gomes that the Lord Almighty will have to tell us. But I was uh, so interested. See, but I realized that it's only when you teach something that you know how well you've understood it. Mm -hmm. So when I taught the same chemistry that I thought I knew very well, I realized there were so many finer nuances which I'd missed as I was learning and scoring my high marks. And then I grew more in love with the subject. Once I grew more in love with the subject, I said, hey, now I feel like doing a PhD. And then I went to do it. So it's nothing to do with my students being poor or anyone being lesser. In fact, the subject became more glamorous for me. Then I felt like doing research. God, okay. And uh, chemistry was one subject, maybe because of the teacher, I'm not too sure, but it was one subject I was petrified of all through school. Well, maybe because of the teacher. Okay. And to see you now in love with the subject that you decide to go and do your PhD, what happened then on? So even after that, I came back to be a school teacher. I realized that I finished my PhD. Everybody told me you've gone to America, the land of golden opportunity. You're going to stay there. You'll get a fat job. You'll earn dollars and, you know, live there. I did nothing of the sort. I finished my PhD. Next day, I packed my bags and came back to India. And I went back to school teaching because that's what I love. I didn't, I tried one semester of college teaching and I ran away from it because I realized the way you can impact young children, you cannot impact adults. They've already formed their, you know, interests and beliefs. And I would go with a lot of passion to teach the subject I loved and they were just time, you know, time pass it was for them. So I said, this is heartbreaking. I can't do this. So I did that. I had a brief stint of R&D in corporate, the corporate world. Mm. That was for about six, seven years, but that didn't, I never fitted into the corporate world. So I came back to teach, school teaching. And you went back to the same school that you started no. teaching or you changed your no, school? Because I moved all over the country. So I've taught in different schools and then slowly I realized that when I started getting jobs as vice principal and principal of school, I realized that admin is not my cup of tea. And I had thought that as a principal, I would energize teachers and get them enthusiastic the way I was about teaching. Instead, I was looking at very administrative issues. You know what administrators do, yeah. who is to be hired, who is to be, you know, put in this task, that time, which is essential, but that was not my, it was not what made me excited. So I realized that I would like to be a teacher educator. And uh, fortunately, at that time, I got a job with Azim Premji Foundation. And that's what I did with Azim Premji Foundation and then the university. I was a teacher educator, especially for science pedagogy for many years. Okay. And then on till date, you are a teacher educator, right? I am a teacher educator, no longer with Azim Premji University. There is a, a model of teacher development, which is commonly followed, not just in Azim Premji University, which is uh, the teacher educators there, we would prepare a module or a workshop, you know, design it and go to government schools across the country and transact them. And while we designed, we seldom had inputs from the teachers who were going to receive our training as to what their needs were. Yeah. So we was, we just went with our assumptions, sometimes correct, sometimes incorrect. Yeah. And we would go and transact and the transaction would usually happen because these teachers were working full time in a government school. Their principals would select certain teachers, not ask them, appoint them and send them to the workshop on a holiday so that they don't miss classes. So the few holidays that a teacher had were taken away because their principal compelled them to go for this workshop. So I would feel very bad. Most of us would feel very bad. We were walking into a hall with an audience which is like captive. They have no choice in the matter. But anyway, we do what 
we had to do and they would be very polite and give us nice feedback at the end of it. We would come back to Bangalore, they would go back to their schools and that would be the end of it. I never knew whether they practiced anything or what they said was so nice in the workshop. So I felt this is not going to work because as teachers we tell them that they should take a child's interest into account. They should meet a child where the child is. But with teachers, we are doing exactly the opposite. If Unless we do with teachers what we expect them to do with students, they are not going to have that experience because nobody's done it with them. When we were all in school, teachers did what they said they had to do. So I felt that there has to be a more respectful way of engaging with teachers. And I read about something called action research. And I said, let me try this out. So my last year, I tried out that method with a few teachers in one of the Azim Premji schools. In Uttarakhand. It was so successful that a book came out of it called The Reflective Teacher and I left Azim Premji University and started my own enterprise called Thinking Teacher where this is what I do with teachers. Reflective Teacher is a book that you have written? Yeah, I've co-authored. Okay, yeah. and that talks about the methodology of training teachers or yes. your experience yes. training teachers? It, it, it tells you both. It tells you what action research is first. It describes the method of action research and then it tells you uh, what happened with each of those teachers. How did they go about doing their action research? And oh. then it analyzes in the end, what was the shift? How did they shift from before and after the action research? Mm -hmm. And it has a whole lot of a bibliography, books you oh. can dip into for that. Okay, okay. And then came the thinking teacher. Yeah, so then I started my own enterprise saying, I want to do just this. I want to engage with teachers in different schools and facilitate their action research. And when I was thinking of a name, I said, I like the name thinking teacher because uh, it is very easy for a teacher because of the repetitive nature of the work. You're teaching the same content year after year to batch after batch. You start becoming mechanical about it. You stop thinking about it. You feel I'm so good at it. I know this. I mean, what's the big deal? I can do it. So a teacher who stops thinking is a very dangerous teacher to have because a teacher stops thinking, the students will stop thinking guaranteed so i felt the most critical thing for a teacher to do is to keep thinking and the keep thinking happens only when there are when there's a crisis you start thinking when there's something new you start thinking when something is old and tried and tested you stop thinking so i said thinking teacher is the name of the enterprise and how old is thinking teacher where are we which year are we it, in the, it was started in the end of 2014 so this is the ninth year we'll be 10 next year Okay, so 2014, you set out alone on this journey or you had... I set team? out alone, but you see, by then I had so many, I had a network of people in the education sector. So a couple of my friends who were also middle-aged and above like me at that time, they joined me on a part-time basis. They said, we can help you out with different assignments. So we did, we went across the country, went to Sikkim and all to schools to do workshops. Okay. And on an assignment basis, I found I had many people who were willing to chip in. Hmm. So it's not a nine to five job with a, you know, profit margin of this and, you know, so much turnover and all. that's not the focus at all. It's a labor of love. It's not that we do for free. We do charge, but it's a labor of love and passion. And it's, what shall I say? It brings in the income that I need no more. Okay. Okay. And when you talk about designing uh, the thinking teacher, each time you start a batch or you go out yeah. to meet a school, is it something that you take project-wise, school-wise, city-wise? How, how do you work? How... Initially, initially, what I did, I prepared a brochure and we have our website and I kind of sold my wares. 
to principals of different schools. By then I had some contacts or some of my contacts had contacts. Okay. And I found there were a few schools where principals were willing to invest in the development of their teachers. Hmm. And of those few schools, there were even fewer who wanted to have long-term development of their teachers, not a flash in the pan, you hmm. know, one fix-it solution. Hmm. So these were the schools I engaged with. And I engaged with in the sense, I first conducted a workshop for them on what action research is, where I asked the principals, please have all your teachers attended. Doesn't matter what subject, what class. At the end of that workshop, I requested the principals, please don't appoint teachers to do action research. Have them volunteer. That makes a big difference. If I do something because I want to do it, there's a totally different energy from if I do it because my principal told me to do it. Mm -hmm. So that proved very successful. And I think to, to date now, there must be about 20 to probably 30 to 50 teachers whose action research has been facilitated by me or my colleagues. And there are about 10 to 20 research papers written by them on our website. So, okay. Okay. So before we move further, can you just give us a definition of what action research ah, is? So it's a very simple thing. We all do it. We don't call it action research. It's a simple framework of four steps. Plan, act, observe, and reflect. We do this all the time. So the first thing is you must have some burning issue, something that you want to solve. And then you make a plan for it. And then you act on that plan. And then as you're acting, you observe is kya ho hai, ho hai, ki nahi, what is happening. And then you reflect, what are my lessons on this? So with teachers, when I start a workshop and I ask them, what are your problems? They love it because teachers have lots of problems. You have to tell them now, stop, enough. You know? So many problems, they pour up. And then I say, okay, let's choose one burning issue. And that's very difficult because especially good teachers, they want to solve everything. And what's more, they think here is one expert, she's going to give us solutions. So ma'am, tell us, tell us. I tell them the first thing I want you to understand is I'm not going to give a single solution. Not because I don't want to, but because I can't. Your situation, your context, you know best. And the best solution that will work for you is one that you come up with, not me. So my job is to ask you the right questions so that you think your way through these four steps. And the beauty is that most of them have not only solved the problem that they set out with, but they've undergone a shift in their thinking. And that is the longer lasting impact. Because unless our thoughts change, our speech and our actions will not change. So it, when you only change the action, it's like applying a coat of paint over an already old coat. But when you actually change your thinking, you're scraping off the old plaster and starting afresh. That happens on its own if action research is facilitated well and done correctly. And this methodology is used with teachers from uh, the teaching community for UKG to 12th or your yes. eighth standard? All over, UKG to 12th. Yes. Okay. Okay. It is a method which has been used in all fields. It has been used in um, management. It has yeah. been used in medicine, engineering, yeah. everywhere. So it's not just, but with teachers, yes, I have used it across subjects, across grades. Okay. In fact, this is something that you can take to the corporates and leadership as well, right, Nature? I guess, but see, the passion that I have for teaching, I don't have for corporate leadership. Okay. I won't bring in the same energy there that I do here. Okay. So can you recall any anecdote in yeah. your uh, years of experience using action research where yeah. you had a teacher or a couple of them come back to you and give you the feedback which told you 
you can be better you can modify or oh, yes. uh, this is where i need to be many many so one is the earliest one i told you the book the reflective teacher yeah, yeah. it describes an incident this is a teacher of 17 years experience okay she had been a teacher for 17 years and she wanted her action research problem was to improve the english vocabulary of my grade 5 students and it's a hindi medium school so that was her action research problem she made a plan she devised certain strategies she acted on them and she measured their vocabulary english vocabulary before and after and it improved so she, you could say she'd solved her problem but i think yes she had solved her problem but the biggest fruit was she said she wrote in her reflections when she reflected and can i say in hindi first because she wrote it in hindi she said um, एक्शन रिसर्च करने से पहले मैं सोचती थी कि टीचर का सबसे बड़ा काम यह है कि सिलेबस को खत्म करना सही टाइम पे एक्शन रिसर्च करते दौरान मेरे को यह महसूस हुआ कि सिलेबस कवर करना या नहीं करना उतना इंपॉर्टेंट नहीं है जितना कि यह जांचना कि हर बच्चा ने समझा कितना दिस वाज अ 17 ईयर एक्सपीरियंस टीचर ब्यूटीफुल ब्यूटीफुल शी केम अप ऑन दिस हरसेल्फ and she once told me i have become a proponent of act this many teachers have said once they have done one action research they say i am trying to apply that framework to just about everything to losing weight you know to managing my maid servant to just about everything it's a simple framework you can apply it anywhere yeah yeah wow this is so powerful and in this journey nirja as you are taking it and you are moving you've seen teachers of varying kinds yes are there teachers on whom this doesn't work there were one or two in about 40 or 50 and, and was it because I, they didn't want to change or go deeper i would say they didn't want to change i would say that their attention span kept flitting mm. no matter how see this happens with everyone see when mm. they, because every problem is interconnected with 100 other problems right nothing mm-hmm. is in isolation mm-hmm. Correct. So my job as a facilitator, when a teacher says that, yeah, but that is also wrong, that is also wrong, I say that's right. But let's just come back to this, the central issue. But there have been some two teachers out of the forty, fifty whose action research I facilitated. I just couldn't bring them back on track. They kept going in different directions. So for them, I think that much failure, anything will have, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it'll be hundred percent success. True, true. But the ninety-nine percent who usually end up getting it. and applying it and see the benefit of it yes are there some uh, moments which gave you the aha that yes, oh, yes this is the path that i need to be on oh yes many many there were many the my very first success story it's a research paper on the website where a senior citizen a teacher above 60 who was not a teacher before that she was the needlework teacher a dining hall manager and uh, therefore the children looked upon her as one pleasant loving grandma she was suddenly asked to teach environmental studies evs to grades 4 and 5 and it's a very free school it's an alternative school residential one so the children would openly tell her you can't teach us akka you're a needlework teacher akka they would tell her straight plus she is a very soft tempered person she doesn't she's not a strict person so she, the children rode rough shod over her her classes were a merry mess and she didn't know how to manage them so when i was asked by her principal to help her do action research i asked her what is your action research problem she said to make my evs classes very exciting make them love the subject 
I thought to myself, I, I think there's something you have to do before that, but I didn't tell her. I said, okay, I wrote it down. Next step is to analyze the issue. How are you going to do this? Within 10 minutes of my asking her questions to analyze, she said, no, 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 Neeraja, that's not my problem. My problem first is classroom management. So once she did that, she did action research on classroom management. It's a long story. You have to read the paper. Then she changed her action research problem to, okay, now that I can manage my class, I'm going to make EVS more exciting. And then she was a transformed teacher. In four to five months, she was a transformed teacher. The same kids who said, Akka, you can't teach EVS. They said, Akka, will you come with us to the next grade also when we get promoted? We want you to, Akka, we miss you, Akka. This was the cons. In the dining hall, I would have kids say, I love Ratna class class. She's so interesting. It's so exciting. The same children who were earlier taking her for a ride. So there have been many such. And when a teacher signs up for this, it's, it, is it a course for this long or a specific period? Uh, how do the four stages get divided? Yeah, so that's a good question because it's, it's subjective. It depends on the action research problem they choose. Hmm. So I tell them that's an average of four to six months. It may be less, it may be more. It depends on what you want to crack. So if there are teachers who've been like headmistress or some semi-administrative role, they choose overarching issues, you know, yeah. like I want to improve the school discipline in middle school yeah. Yeah. or I want to bring about a reading culture. Correct. So these are not things which one person can solve. They have yeah. to get enroll other members. So that takes time. But mm -hmm. people like what I said, Ratna, Ratna, the teacher, she had mm -hmm. a very localized issue with her class. She did it in four months. She, she did a dramatic transformation in four months. Okay. Okay. So they sign up knowing that we don't know yet how long it will take, but roughly four to six months. Okay. And in the process of these four to six months, you work with them every day, weekly, fortnightly, or are there assignments on how do you work with the teacher to yeah, so visualize the whole thing? So the way I do it is we have two face-to-face -face meetings. Okay. Thanks to pandemic, mostly online. Before pandemic, it used to be one face-to-face -face offline if it was out of Bangalore. Because in Bangalore, it could be two. Okay, And in these meetings, I just find out where they are, what they are doing, and I ask all the questions I want to ask. Thereafter, between those meetings and after, they send me one or two emails in answer to my questions, what they are doing. So I have my fingers on the pulse of what they are doing. That's all. So as in when they want anything clarified, they write to you yes. and then you get yes. onto a session. Yes. Okay. Okay. So now that you mentioned pandemic, so for a lot of us, the pandemic was one space where we had to pause what we were doing, not by choice, but we were forced to do it. Yes. A lot of lessons we took back for life. I don't know how many of us remember most of it. Yes. But for you, Deerja, yeah. How did the pandemic treat you? What were your uh, reflective moments? So it was a huge reflective moment. Uh, see, prior to the pandemic, as I told you, I would go to schools and sell my wares. Yeah. And principals who were willing to take, even some of them would say, you know, I invest in a teacher's development today and the teacher leaves me tomorrow. It's a waste yeah. for me. And I would have no answer. Now the pandemic struck and we didn't know what hit us and that first lockdown was like a shock for everybody and I felt because my yoga instructor we were loving her yoga classes she immediately offered free online yoga you know? and that was like such a generous act I thought wow she's giving us her wonderful yoga instruction free online I thought what can I offer free you know I should also do something free 
and i said the only thing i know what to do is to help teachers you know develop their so i said okay let me offer a course which i once offered called reflective writing for teachers let me develop an online version and let me offer it free so i just posted on facebook and linkedin on my website 10 seats available free seats for 10 teachers reflective on uh, writing for teachers immediately 10 people signed up and because it was the beginning of the lockdown everyone was in a you know tense state so the course had a very intense version that time we would have a half hour session today online then tomorrow would be a holiday but holiday meaning they had to do the homework that i gave them today and then the next day we'd meet so every alternate day we met for half an hour over a period of like 10 days or something so it was a very intense version of the course but it was such a hit that after that i have managed to run 11 paid versions of the course i discovered in the pandemic that teachers are willing to pay for their own development i don't have to root it through principle that was a huge shift. and uh, when we are talking about the community per se the teaching community teachers face especially yes. now with the student community which doesn't actually respect the teachers yes there are a lot of moments for a lot of teachers wondering whether teaching is worth all the yes yes trauma yes. in fact yes. when students i think teachers are going through trauma yes you must be facing a lot of such teachers who come and share such moments with you yes where is the gap i would call it gap nirja is it in the parenting is it in the generation is it in society that today the teaching community is not as respected as they should be so you are asking me something which is very close to my heart because i uh, i'm one of those who gets very angry on teachers day because i say on that one day they are made yeah. big about teachers the rest of the year they are looked down upon and uh, i still remember when i was a kid my father the way he spoke of his teachers there was such respect such yes. awe yes. and i and i remember his because uh, my father studied in the british era his british teacher came home for dinner one day you know he was an old man by then and i remember the respect with which my father treated him so the complete shift from that era to today if if a parent wants their child to be a teacher it's a very rare parent you know it's the last profession people choose so i think it's a lot of things i cannot put my finger on due to one thing but mainly it's the collective world view and the values that we hold today which is that money and power are what matter and in in the days of my parents i think it was scholarship and learning and wisdom that mattered so there's a huge shift now and teachers in private schools don't make that much money our values have changed that's the saddest part okay so if if teachers are and i won't say highly paid or the highest paid in society but a little more respected for what they bring out out students do you think the community would be looked at very differently so i think pay is only part of the story yeah because government school teachers are very well paid yeah yeah but I don't know how many government school teachers have their heart in their job, you know. So, I would love to say that it would be great if we could recruit only people who are passionate about teaching to be teachers. I would love to say that, but I know the reality. If we do that, we won't have enough teachers. We have far more students than such people would be teachers. So, my solution is to do what I'm doing, which is get those who are not interested also at least a little enthused about what they are doing. See, you may not like what you do. but you can get to like what you do you may not do what you like but you may slowly learn to like what you do and maybe one day you may even love what you do i know teachers like that i know teachers who took it out took it up saying chalo aur kuch nahi mil raha let's start and then they just became very interested 
yeah yeah that's so true because i started early on teaching and i remember when i did my graduation my teacher who was taught who taught us shakespeare was a teacher i really loved for the way she would quote mm-hmm. shakespeare mm-hmm. and later when i got through my ugc and i started teaching my immediate juniors when i was leaving chennai that's where i studied my teachers who had then become my colleagues told me that when you're going to bangalore rashmi if and when you have no other choice only then take up teaching because the teachers told you this yeah i was shocked because i loved teaching and it was amazing teaching uh, kids who were slightly younger than me i really enjoyed that 6 months i did before we moved out of chennai and the fellow teachers told me and that too from other departments also that if you don't get anything else only then go into teaching because uh, here you stagnate and it shook me because at that point i was really interested yeah. in who used to be a teacher so and your own teachers told you this yeah so that's when i understood that the community is not respected and maybe that's why they feel that that's not See, the a community is not respected as part of the story the community does not respect itself is the other part of the story yeah yeah if i hold my head high and say i'm so proud of being a teacher life is a mirror it reflects back at you what you hold in, in, inside you if you go around saying i love being a teacher people ask my father why did she have to do a phd if all she's going to do be a, is be a teacher and my father's answer was what's wrong with being a teacher so that's the support i got and i never felt i was doing anything lesser in fact i have written in my diary when i first became a teacher i am so lucky i am doing what i love and i'm even getting paid for it yeah that's so true and i know you are, you did what you love and you still are doing what you love yes enthusing teachers in the community to do what they need to do but are there some special moments of recognition special moments of joy special connects that now when you look back and connect the dots you smile around yeah so there was one uh, closing the loop kind of moment uh, where um, you know through linkedin and so on one of my old students when very early in my teaching career second year of teaching uh, she contacted me she is now in canada married and with children and she said you know over the years i have talked to many people about many people who taught me and this one that one she mentioned names she said but over and over again the one person i have constantly talked about is you and it is because of you i took up chemistry and it is because of you i became a chemistry teacher wow so i said okay i told god i said janam safal ho gaya ready to come anytime <laughs> that's just what i wanted right that's what i that's why i became a teacher teacher wow wow what a tribute did you meet miss gomes nirja you know i wanted to meet her she was uh, not a married lady so her brother was in, living in bangalore in her old age she had come down to stay with him and i heard about it i hunted and got her number and i called her up and uh, i said i'm and you know the, my whole body language became that respectful school girl with two pigtails when i was holding the phone <laughs> and i said miss gomes you don't know what you have given me and she said oh i don't remember anything nirja but i'm so happy to hear you say this i said i would love to come and meet you she said why don't you come and she gave me her address then i told my sister because we all studied with her all of us and my sister said oh i'd love to meet her too i said okay so i got the 
card ready and I had it all ready for my sister to sign. And my sister had a lot of commitments at home. She had her in-laws staying with her aged, she was taking care of them. So before she could find a free day, Miss Gomes left the planet. I couldn't meet oh. her. Which maybe was a good thing because I remember her in her young days with her start sari, not a pleat out of place. And I would have felt very sad seeing her in her old age maybe. I don't know. But I was not destined to meet her. But in my heart, I meet her every day to this day. I, I, I can actually understand that feeling because it's very special when somebody you really love and adore yes. Yes. takes that position in your she heart. I don't just love and adore her. Look at how she, she decided my subject of my choice. <laughs> she decided my career. Yeah, yeah. And such supreme confidence I had. I said, job, mile ya na mile, bhaad me jai. This is what I want to do. I think that is what education should do. It should help you find what you love. And if you've got that, you're a very lucky person. True. Okay, coming back now, uh, the pandemic gave you a very beautiful idea of what to do with teachers yes. and the journaling group. Yes. But for you personally, Nirja, because the pandemic hit each one of us at different yes. levels and yes. taught us a lot. Yes. What were some of your reflections in the pandemic? So, one of my reflections was that there are a lot of unnecessary things we spend our time and money on. Before the pandemic, people had told me, you can't go out that often, you can't use this, you can't use that, you can't go grocery shopping to the mall, you have to order things at home. I just said, what hell that life must be? But I realized that a lot of this was not only possible, it made life very much easier. So, to simplify one's life was one of the big lessons that the pandemic taught me. It also taught me that when you're in a noisy space, uh, you think you've addressed a lot of your issues. But the pandemic made you sit by yourself and you faced your inner noise. And then you realized the illusion that you had solved a lot of them because they surfaced. There was nothing else to occupy your attention. They surfaced. So I realized that, that a forced isolation is actually good because it helps you meet your inner enemies your dragons. That's very good. It also taught me to be a little more compassionate to the have-nots because I could see that if it was tough for me, how much tougher it must be for those who are, they don't have a monthly income, they have a daily income, if at all. So it taught me some, I hope I'm still having that, but it taught me at that time. I was more concerned about the maidservants during that period than before or after. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. And as we come to the conclusion of this conversation, three life lessons that you'd like to leave us with. So three life lessons. Uh, one thing I would like to do every day is to learn something new every day because that keeps me young. So never stop learning is my first life lesson. The second thing is to sit and thank for something or the other every day because gratitude pushes away all that anger and resentment and hurt. It does it by itself. So be thankful for something every day. That's the second life lesson. And the third is to declutter inner and outer every day. Get rid of something, some baggage outside and inside. <laughs> Practical, formula in place. Life is beautiful, Ninja, definitely. And moving on, does the thinking teacher change direction, move forward? Where does she go? Does she have her goal set for the next? I don't have goal set. I keep getting interesting assignments. The latest assignment is very interesting, which is to develop thinking skills in 
diverse children, people of children of special abilities, so dyslexics and those on the autism spectrum. So I'm not a special educator. So I did do a develop design a program along with my friend Padmini called Ask a Thinker, which was to meant to draw out curiosity and thinking in children of the primary school age. And we did it successfully for a term and then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So then we couldn't continue. Then um, there is a CEO of a company in Chennai who was himself diagnosed as dyslexic when he was 10. And he now runs an organization called D-Learners, which is meant to help diverse learners across the country. So he invited me to design the same program now for diverse learners. So I do have a pilot going on right as we speak, but the pilot is based on my knowledge as of today. I'm hoping in the second half of July to go and learn what is known as the Feuerstein method in Rome and attend some courses so that I learn how to incorporate those methods into the Ask a Thinker program. And that takes takes into account the out-of-the-box thinking of these children as well as their you know lack of focus or their inability to look at something for too long. All of those things will be factored in. Wow. Ask a thinker. I think these two words describe you as well and the curiosity levels with which you have found your purpose in life. Thank you. God bless you. May your tribe increase. And I think people like you make the teaching community look beautiful every day of the year Thank and you. not Thank only you. on September 5th. <laughs> Thank you so much. Honored to have had you on you and I with Rashmi Shetty. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. God bless you, Neerja. All the very best. Thank you. With that, we come to the end of this weekly quest of you and I with Rashmi Shetty. Do let us know if you know people who make the world beautiful. Write in to rashmi.thethirdeye at gmail.com that is r-a-s-h-m-i dot t-h-e-t-h-i-r-d-e-y-e at gmail.com Come, let's explore this amazing world together, both you and I.